Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fuga A to Fuga Z. Joining me today to discuss Turnover from the 1990 album Repeater is Jason Begay, a journalist and professor at the University of Montana School of Journalism. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm glad to have uh, somebody who's sort of near the same uh, time zone as I am. Sometimes I have to schedule these and we're in wildly different parts of the day. You're right over next to my time zone in mountain time. Maybe my only guest uh, that I've had in mountain time, actually. Really? I find that actually not surprising. There are not, 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 not a lot happens here, it seems like. I guess probably our most sparsely populated time zone in the United States, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know the first question that's coming your way, and it's really about your fandom of Fugazi and, you know, how that has progressed over the years. Do you remember how you first got into them? Yeah, I remember exactly how I first got into them. Um, So, yeah, I was in high school. I'm I'm now 45, so uh, I believe I was a sophomore or a junior in high school one of the reasons why i like your show so much is because like i hear so many people's stories and and a lot of them are similar to mine where i grew up listening to a lot of uh rock music so late 80s i really got into like like hair metal and then that evolved into like thrash metal in the early 90s and uh kind of quickly got tired of it because it was it was basically like you know who's the most evil darkest group and i got really old real fast right um, did you ever get an answer to that no yeah I, I gave up on uh, on that age-old question i guess um <laughs> so i was kind of looking for something new not even sure what that was um to listen to and uh a friend of mine in high school she was like the the punk rock girl the only one in school like the fiery red hair and um wild outfits um she would talk about this band fugazi all the time um and then so on a whim one day i asked her if i could borrow some music um and she lent me um a steady diet of nothing right and i took it home and uh just popped it in and it just so happened that it was on tape so cassette tape so uh, it was queued up to side two um, so the first song that I ever heard from Fugazi was Long Division. And uh, mm. um, I, I have this very distinct memory of, like, standing in my room because I had this big, like, um, boombox in my room. And I'd, I'd stand up and listen to music sometimes, just stand right in front of it. And Long Long Division played. And like I said at the time, I was listening to all this, like, like metal and, like, fast, intricate stuff trying to one-up each other, guitar riffs and guitar solos, who could play the fastest, who could sing the loudest. And uh, Long Division is none of those things, right? It is right. just calm and this lonely little guitar riff, these lonely notes, um, and then and Ian's haunting voice. And I was just, like, transfixed by it. It was amazing. Um, I think I, I, I rewound that song, like, several, several times in that, in, in, in that one sitting. Um, so I quick, I quickly became obsessed with, with that album and the band, um, and, uh, ended up listening to like, uh, I grabbed repeater, I grabbed 13 songs, um, 
and obviously loved them all. Um, and then one day, and this is going to show you how obsessive I get about <laughs> music. Um, so, and then, so one day at the mall, it, it just so happened that, uh, in on the kill taker had come out and I just found it and I was really excited. So I got that album. Um, love that album. Obviously that's one of my favorite ones. And then, uh, so kind of do the math after some time had passed and looked around and saw that like their albums had come out like about a year to two years apart. And I, I lived on the, I guess I haven't established this, but I grew up just off the Navajo reservation in New Mexico. Um, so I, I lived in a border town and there's not a lot there. And especially back then with no internet, really all I had to access music was like MTV and, and the radio and neither of those things would play Fugazi or offering news bits about Bugazi. So I had no idea when a new album would come out, like ever. Like uh no magazines that were available to me would would write about him, so it's kinda of just up to me. Um so about a year after um In on, on the Kill Taker came out, I just started going to the mall like every Tuesday, because Tuesday was when <laughs> music stores would put their music out and just look. Just look under yeah. ref. Um and it became this chore, like this this duty I had every Tuesday just to look and for a while I'd I had to beg my brother to take me every Tuesday. He got so tired of me asking him for rides to the mall. Finally got my driver's license and made it a little bit easier um, to go. But it was like every Tuesday I would just go and just look under the F just to see if I could find something new. Um, and, of course, it took a lot longer than I thought because <laughs> it was until, like, like, I think, 95, summer 95, when Red Medicine came out. And yes. I distinctly remember that day. Like, I remember because it was just – Every Tuesday just built up, like, and and nothing had come out, um, and I didn't even know if they were if, if they would break up or not, right? I, there was I had no news whatsoever except just looking for them, um, for for a new album, and on cassette because that's, that's what I was listening to at the time, um, that album art that has the name Fugazi, like like the the circles with the yeah, letters scratched out inside. Yeah, I saw that one day and like just my heart stopped. Like the most excited feeling I've ever had because every Tuesday for the past like couple of years, I just paid off all of a sudden, um, you know, and it was just like this magical feeling. And I still kind of feel that when I when I when I glance at like that album, Red Medicine and see the circles, I can still like remember remnants of like that excited feeling. Um, so it, it was exhausting, <laughs> maybe not the best use of my time, but I, I definitely feel like it paid off um, being that obsessive. That's so that's beautiful and it's so funny like that's the kind of story that you would tell to somebody who grew up with the internet and they just would never be able to understand what things used to be like it's like what you just <laughs> you went to a physical location to see if a new album was coming out <laughs> for years yeah yeah every Tuesday on for the years. off chance <laughs> You couldn't just type up the name and it popped up in front of you. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it's a wild and and like yeah, it's not that that kind of experience probably won't ever happen again. But uh, like I said, it was definitely worth it when that when when that album came out. Usually, I don't ask people about their favorite albums, but did Red Medicine then turn into your favorite album, or was it more like the the first album you started listening uh, to them with? It, it so Red Medicine is definitely my favorite album, and I, I've actually not thought of that. But if, if it's because of that moment, I know like I, I love the album cover the most because of that because I, I I really associate it with that moment. Um, but like uh, no, it's just like um, and I know the intro to that song um, to that album. Do you like me? It just it just blew me away in so many different ways. 
Um, and then and it, it like it, it never falters after that. The whole album is great. So maybe it is because of that album, that that moment. But yeah, that's my favorite album for sure. Yeah, they, I, it's true. I don't think we've really talked about the cover art to Red Medicine on this show before. But it is like it's so captivating, like that very interesting. Um, I guess it's the back of Ian's amplifier, right? Yeah, the, that's what I read. Little holes, um, the, and and it's like obviously like part of a stencil uh, of Fugazi that's like spray painted on the grill there, mm-hmm. and then and then that really like haunting upside down image of the four of them in the in water. In the water, yeah. And it's and it seems to be like a double exposure. It's such an interesting choice for an album cover. It's like this weird juxtaposition of like industrial looking with the, you know, the metal grate of the amp and then this totally natural but ghostly image of the band in the ocean. So, yeah, amazing. So, I hats yeah. off to, to Fugazi on the <laughs> on the art. And and the imagery is such that like the name is almost like uh, secondary, right? When it's the name of the band, yeah. it's all the reason why you buy it. But it's just scratched in, in into those little circles, and I think that was just a really nice move. And it looks really cool. Did you ever get to see Fugazi live? Oh, I did. I, 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 I I've had the the fortunate luck to see them twice. I saw them once um, during the Red Medicine tour. They played in Albuquerque. Um, I forget the date, but they they played this place called the Five Points Music Hall. Um, and that was great. I, I, that was like, you know, that was in my, in my peak, like right after that, that album. I, I loved them. Um, and then I saw them again uh, during one of their last tours. I'm pretty sure they called it like, like a, part of that tour, they called it like the Four Corners tour. Um, hmm. So they played on my reservation. They played in Tuba City on, on the Navajo Nation. And unfortunately, at that time, I was going to school in Montana Um and like I, I did, I definitely debated driving all the way back, like a like a twelve hundred mile drive, because um, I really want to see them play on my reservation, but I, I couldn't swing it. So I did catch them in Salt Lake City. I met them halfway um, the next day. Uh, I think that was in two thousand and one. I think April two thousand one, I believe. Yeah, for for listeners who haven't heard it yet, in the Smallpox Champion episode, we discussed that show uh, on the reservation with Clayson and Janita from uh, Blackfire, who opened the show. That was, it sounds like it was a very interesting one, too. Yeah, uh, any, any memorable moments from those shows? Well, I remember the first, the first show on the Red Medicine Tour, um, I didn't know what to expect. I had not been to, I think they were, they were my first punk rock show. Um, before that, I've been to a lot of like metal shows. Um, well, not a lot, but a few. Um, so I, I really didn't know what to expect. And what, a couple of things that struck me, right, was I remember standing in line for that show. Um, and um, some guy just walked up and saw his friend standing in line and came up and said hi and asked what was going on. I told him the guys was playing and he got so excited, but uh, he had no idea, I guess. Um, so he said, he started signing a line and said, I don't have any money. So he just asked around, like, to people that sat next to him. Um, and people just threw him a dollar and obviously he only needed like five bucks <laughs> to get in. Right. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was just a really cool moment of like community where people just kind of pitched in this guy and probably, uh, you know, went from an average night to a great night. I really liked that about, about the show. And like on a similar note, when I saw them in Salt Lake City, uh, in 2001, I had an extra ticket because I, uh, a friend of mine was supposed to go with me, but ended up canceling. Um, 
So when I, when I was standing in line there, a similar thing happened where, the, where somebody kind of just showed up, I guess, and I just overheard people talking. And the uh, show was sold out, um, and one guy was really disappointed because he wanted to see the band but didn't. And I offered him my ticket um, for five bucks. Um, and it kind of had this similar, like, vibe to me of, like, it, it was passing the buck. I really, so I really feel like that kind of community around the band, I've always respected. Nice to witness that sort of moment. Yeah. Well, maybe the song we're discussing today was played at one of those shows, uh, and maybe if you remember that, you could let us know about it. But the song of today's episode is, of course, Turnover from Repeater, the opening track. It's a pretty big one, pretty big deal. It's a top 10 Fugazi song in terms of how often they played it live. seems to be number nine in terms of the data that is available to us played 392 times and i got some interesting background info on turnover before we sort of like jump into talking about the music and the lyrics it is actually a singular example of something that you won't find elsewhere which is a song that started out in a completely different form it actually started as a song called nsa and sung by ian mckay and uh, for people who are interested in hearing it, you can go over on the Fugazi Live series to a show in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, May 1st, 1989. <clears throat> this is like the, the only recording you will hear of this song. And uh, there's actually a little note on the page that Ian Mackay wrote. Uh, it's, uh, he, wrote he wrote, featuring the only known recording of the song NSA. This song was only performed live a handful of times on this tour before we took it back to the practice space for a makeover. Um, and I, I do also have a little bit of inside information from Ian Mackay, and I'll, uh, I'll quote that here. He said, I believe, uh, well, this, is, this kind of contradicts what he wrote on there, but he says, uh, I believe this is the only time we played it live, but there's no way to be sure of that given the dearth of 1989 recordings. Joey P. didn't start traveling with us until 90, and he was the person that really was behind the recording of all the shows, which ultimately led to the Fugazi Live Series site. It's definitely the only version of NSA that I've ever come across, including practice tapes. When we got back from that tour, it seemed clear that the song wasn't working, and Guy said he had an idea for it. That idea was Turnover, which became one of my favorite songs to play. There are a couple of other songs that got swapped in the practice space, but I think this is the only time that the vocalist slash lyrics changed after being played out. So there you go. That's uh, a singular example of uh, something you'll hear in the Fugazi Live series. I also was able to find uh, one or two quotes from Guy about that. Um, so Guy said in an interview with friend of the show, Tom Gibbs, it was only three or four times in the history of the band that one of us started as the singer of a song and the other took it over. Turnover was originally an Ian song and I ended up singing it and the same for Foreman's Dog. And I think a few went the other way as well. Um, yeah, but again, I guess that uh, that early version of Foreman's Dog never got played live. Um, finally, uh, finally a, a, an interview with Guy from a Greg Foreman interview. And I'll, I'll link all these in the show notes for the listener. Um, there's, a, 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 I guess, a question from uh, somebody who wrote in 
which is uh, I watched the Turnover Live video the other day, and it was amazing. I'd like to know how Guy got those sounds out of a Rickenbacker. And Guy says, I guess he doesn't exactly answer the question. Uh, he says, I remember in those early hardcore bands in D.C., everyone played a Gibson, and there was a th- certain thick and massive sound to that guitar, but at a certain point I wanted something different to be in a different space, and I'd always loved the look of the Rickenbackers just from being a Beatles fan. And when I got my first one, I just loved how thin the neck was and how different it sounded from any of the other guitars that anyone else was playing. But at the same time, they're really fucking hard to control the feedback on. It's funny because I think I know the video he's talking about, and that was us playing in front of the White House, which no one will ever play in front of the White House again. It can't happen anymore. So it's amazing that it did happen because it really represented a moment in history where you could actually get away with being there. End quote. And uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, and uh, maybe you also, Jason, have seen that video of Fugazi playing in front of the White House, and this was a, a notable song from that performance. I, I have seen that, and I, I, I never thought about the historic significance. I and mean, that's right, no, no one's ever going to be able to do that again. That is wild. It's weird how that has changed in D.C. Like, you used to be able to just drive on the street right next to the White House, basically, and now that's like all blocked off. It's just inaccessible to anything but pedestrian traffic. And yeah, just certain things have changed in that regard. But but yeah, it's a, a definitely recommend uh, listening to NSA. Um, I have a transcription of the lyrics, but I'll, I'll let interested listeners go and uh, have a listen for themselves. But it's it's totally interesting to hear completely different lyrics set to basically the same music that we know and love from turnover it's they definitely had that the the sort of music down and uh, the lyrics just changed so yeah pretty fascinating that is i'd never heard of that i have no idea i definitely want to check that out i'm 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 actually dying right now to hear it but yeah in terms of the song that has come to us on the record called repeater um the music the lyrics what's the first angle you want to talk about jason um Let's see. So let's start with the music. I think because I love the song so much, um, it is probably. I'm trying to think. I'm, try, I'm trying to rank in my head really quick. I think it's my favorite intro to a Fugazi album. Um, it's definitely, with exception of Untitled, which which brings in the string instruments, right? Um, in terms of the the that that the, the introductory um, notes to an album, it is the most elegant in my opinion um of their intros it's just this kind of simple kind of swooping um guitar sounds that that fades in and it's very dreamlike and it 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 transitions so organically into the song a a lot of the other intros kind of have this like abrupt change and then the song starts this is so organic and so like like i said elegant i really like it a lot um, that's interesting like they had so many very very strong intro tracks that it's it's hard to pick a favorite but i think like saying elegant sort of hits the nail on the head i think i think in those terms uh it is the foremost introductory track the way it fades in like ian's fading in those sort of octaves that he's playing with his volume knob the a, a mm-hmm. word that came to mind for me was horn like like i can oh yeah it in the in the way that um, I've heard sort of a like this this thing where they're sort of like tuning quote unquote uh, before like a, a performance and mm-hmm. the like just sort of being directed by the conductor or whatever 
and like it's it's very interesting how a, a note played softly on a trumpet or you know tuba or whatever um, is so different in tone from one that's played loud. It's like as they play louder, the tone changes. It changes from mellow to something more sharp and assertive and that's exactly what happens here like you can hear as the as the volume is increasing the tone is changing too it's becoming sharper it's becoming a little distorted because it's like hitting that threshold of the amp yeah so like horn like is what came to mind for me oh, i like that yeah yeah so so then yeah you have that intro which which is like is a dreamlike it's it's so it's not nice and then like uh joe's bass comes in with that with that um, really catchy, kind of. I'm not sure. Like it, 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 it's not as 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 dreamlike as the guitars, which I really like. So it kind of picks everything up a little bit. With and then and then the drums come in. I think yeah, in terms of intros, it's like it's so nicely done. Um, and it leads into the song like seamlessly, which I love. Yeah, that bass part is wonderful. And I mean, of course, before the bass part, for a second, we get a little sort of like hi hat thing. I love Brendan's playing on the song too, but in particular, it's like the the hi hat stuff that he plays is, is just really nice. And then a- after we get the chill hi hat drums, bass octave mm-hmm. swells for a while, then like it, the loud octave chords come in with the vocals, and then we're off and we're into the song, and it's great. Yeah, I think, um, and I remember this song in particular um, when Guy starts singing. Like that first line, his voice is so loud and it just, it, it, I remember it struck me so hard the first time I heard it. Like it's so, um, dynamic. Um, his singing is so impressive. And like I said, so the, the first album that I had was, um, in, uh, steady, steady, of nothing, which the sound as, as you've mentioned on your show several times, is kind of, challenging in ways um here it's absolutely not it's so dynamic and his voice is so clean and comes across just like kind of like a slap in the face um which is really what i I dig about punk rock yeah i agree like it's it's pretty accessible for uh for a gi song in many ways compared to some of the other ones and i i definitely agree that i love gi's performance on this his vocal performance um and, and there are a couple of moments where he puts a little a little special English on his delivery, in particular when he says "turn off the alarm," he does a very Bob Dylan thing that he's like he definitely does in some other places in the catalog, but it's more like to turn off the alarm. Oh yeah, very Bob Dylan. And then I also really like in the line "until your muscles find lock," the way he says the word "lock," he's like "lock." You know, yeah, I, I think for a while I thought I, th- I thought I, I was hearing him say "locked up" because um, yeah, that that last uh, concert sound is so pronounced. That's one of the great things about Guy. He's like he has a very expressive way of of singing his lines, and some of those little tricks are I find very endearing. Yeah, I mean, definitely he his his, and sometimes I like to call his singing his crooning because it's so romantic sometimes, and even if, even if the lyrics aren't and the songs aren't ro- necessarily romantic. Like just the way he enunciates and stresses different parts of words that we don't normally when we're talking normally. Um, it just sounds so romantic and just so beautiful. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like the transition to the chorus in this too, where uh, for the majority of this song, I guess, 
the guitars are doing these like octave kind of things and it's just like it sounds bare bones not in a bad way but just like because it's only really one note being played except for a couple of special moments and one of them is the, the like the transition to that first chorus uh when Guy sings can't be disarmed it's like all of a sudden it's it's power chords and they're da 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 before the like ascending octave chords of the chorus and like as all of a sudden we get a little more meat to the sound a little more heaviness um before we get into that really cool chorus where it's like yeah those those octave chords are just rising and rising um which is a very cool effect in itself yeah it is i mean and and you're right because it it, it is the 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 guitars are a little sleepy through the through through the uh chorus i mean not chorus through the verse right and then yeah once you get there it speeds up and becomes louder almost like a crescendo in in, in a way Uh, which yes it's it and it, it happens without being abrupt which i really like this is one of those songs that I remember being like a, a high school kid and starting to learn to play guitar. And this is this was one of my go-to ones. It's a very cool guitar part, but it seems accessible. Like you can you can learn to play it fairly easily. But at the same time, it's pretty like imaginative, um, especially in the chorus, like how that's constructed with that the like rising octave chords until it gets to the very top, and it's sort of like. Love it. Absolutely. Another, uh, I think in the in the second verse, another choice I love from Guy, which I guess is more of a composition choice uh, in terms of writing. He's established a certain rhythm with the words that he's sung so far, and then uh, in the ease of that position, and then you get this amazing little cadence. <laughs> residue of tremor passes some sharia more suggest that maybe like it's all of a sudden this very steady sort of like delivery really love that part it's a it's a very cool way to change up what's been happening and like keep you engaged which yeah this this song does that in a few ways like it has a certain structure but then there are little elements of spice thrown in here and there that that just make it really interesting yeah i mean the the I, I, I love that part like, that they're talking about where it talks about a residue of tremor passes. Um, he, he speeds it up and the rhythm of that is so nice. And, um, and when we get to talking about the lyrics, I, I, I want to point out that that line is just a beautiful line, right? The residue of tremor passes of some Sharia more suggests it's like poetry. Basically it's such a nice, so like the, the sounds of the, of the words coming together is really nice. And, um, the idea that it expresses is, is also uh, just beautiful. But, yeah, I'm talking about how he sings it so quickly um, out of nowhere because it's not really like a bridge. It's not really like, you know, any part of the song where you're expecting it, the 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 singing to shift so dramatically. But it does. And I, that's my favorite part of the song, I think. Yeah, it, it's hard to pick a favorite part of the song for me, but it's, it's like definitely one of the ones that I remember. I, I like how he pairs the line smash things up with that again that the return of that sort of like heavy um power chords part mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a just really nice pairing of sound and meaning and then another one of those favorite moments comes when like after this second chorus it's it sort of like you know does the same thing as the first chorus but then at, at the end we get this like stop turn over it's this very brief little left hand turn and it's like oh that's such a great way to punctuate something in the song 
and then it sort of does another stop turnover, but the the rhythm is a little different, and then we're on to another chorus. You know, the the standard thing to do would be to like maybe put another verse in there between those choruses, but instead it's just this little interpolation of of a slightly different idea for just a, a couple of bars, and and that's all you need, and then we're back in another chorus, which is fun. <laughs> Yeah, I like the way you described that. It's, I mean, and, and I never quite thought of that, that, that moment when like the, the music kind of follows him when he says, and stop, turn over. Like when the music kind of follows him there. And it's, it's, yeah, I never thought of that. And the, the way that it's accompanied by these like big, heavy, I guess, Tom hit sounds from mm-hmm. Brendan, it's like all of a sudden there's a lot of bottom. And, um, yeah, just, just to like follow the structure of the song to the ends, we get another chorus after that. And then it's so interesting again because after after that chorus, I guess it's Ian sli- sort of like does this slide down the guitar neck, and we have another chorus, but the chords he plays are like a more interesting and dissonant and ominous version of the same chords. It's it's like the same but different. I failed to work out exactly what's happening on the guitar. Uh, it sounds like to me instead of octave chords, he's playing like power chords that like maybe they're power chords with a with a fifth on the bottom so they have that extra sort of like low end um but it's it's different now it's like it's more disturbing for this final chorus um so yeah again it's it's like not a completely different structure it's not like a crazy song with a bunch of key changes or something like that but they can keep finding ways to make it interesting um just a real encapsulation of something I've always loved about Fugazi in general. Yeah, and I think all the best songs kind of follow that 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 non-structured structure, right? Where they don't really necessarily because most songs in the history of the world are like based on repetition. You repeat uh, like the chorus, you repeat like you know the cadence, um, and like this song is very perfect in showing you how they are always trying to like structure things so every part of the song or every moment of the song is, is at least somewhat unique. And it's not like a true repetition, 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 like a lot of songs that we've, that we've grown up listening to. Yeah. And and I think like anybody who's sort of tried to record songs, like especially at home in the age of, of, you know, recording software that makes things really easy. I mean, maybe have a, a drum machine going or like program drums so that you have, uh, everything's like locked to a certain tempo and you're recording over it, you get to a point where you can, if you want, just sort of like cut and paste everything you did for the first chorus onto the second chorus. <laughs> and it's like, it becomes really tempting because like, I'm sure people who have experience like trying to record their own music, it, it seems so much harder because you always like mess up a little part and you keep wanting to go back over and over again. <laughs> so uh, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's tempting to to do the same thing over again even to the point where you're, you know, copying and pasting. Um, but that's, that's like clearly not the Fugazi style uh, in, in many different ways because they want to make things a little different um, in a lot of the, even, even if the parts are similar. Exactly. Right. And that's why I think that's why we love the band. So it's, it's always challenging and new. Uh, and the more you listen to songs, the, 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 the more payoff you get when you kind of realize these, these small little changes that like where a song actually evolves as opposed to like, you know, just repeating. I guess the next structural thing to talk about is after that last chorus, 
there's it sort of breaks into like a an almost sunny sounding major key sounding um introduction to when Guy sings I'm only sleeping and then we get a little bit of sort of like jamming time and of course this is where uh live the song would often really shine um just a few bars of like jamming out and then another I'm only sleeping from Guy and then it's like an even heavier jam we've got this like and then smack smack with the snares like smack smack so we get that a few times and there's more sort of like rhythmic jamming which uh which live versions really took advantage of yeah and that's a, a you know a great uh fugazi characteristic as well where i think a lot of bands would be tempted to put in a guitar solo there um where, where they don't they just kind of are like let's show as a let's show off as a unit instead of having like our guitar player show off as a, as as a solo right and i think other best songs have that moment where like yeah, it just keeps going as strong as we can together um, as a band, and uh, I think it really shines. Yeah, totally. Uh, this this sort of leads into something that I had been wanting to talk about um, because yeah, the way it that that little rhythmic jam sort of segues into the end of the song. You basically we're back to the intro where Ian is fading in those like octave chords, um, you know, still with still with the steady drum beat. And then there's like this big snare hit, whack! And then like the steady drum beat stops, and it's time for just those like fading intro chords. That huge snare hit to sort of end the loud jammy section, and uh, and lead us into the like more chill end of the song. Uh, this it brings me to talking about my favorite Fugazi concert, uh, and and I think I'm gonna say my favorite concert of all time which is the Fort Reno show from 2000. And I think I, I posted about this on the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page, like way back on, on like the anniversary of the event. So what happened was, like a lot of the Fugazi Fort Reno shows, there it was like in danger of being rained out. Like there's a thunderstorm happening. It was looking touch and go for a while there. Like, would they be able to play? They had sort of like plastic wrap over their amps and the monitors and stuff like that to make sure they just like didn't short out from the rain. There's no covering out there. It's just for people who haven't been there. It's just a stage in the middle of a field, total open sky. And um, yeah, like I said, it's a it's a thunderstorm. Um, but yeah, the the rain like holds off and, and lessens enough that that they can play and like i think it's still you know drizzling there's intermittent lightning happening um which is like the most awesome backdrop for a show ever on this particular song they played turnover amazing performance they put so much energy into it as they always did they do this like this great jamming part they're running back and forth on stage at one point Guy and Ian like sort of smack into each other purposely like they run into each other like bam but they're you know keep playing guitar uh, wonderful loud chaotic raucous jam and then finally you know that that intro bass line comes in Brendan hits that snare that huge snare hit and at that exact moment a huge bolt of lightning streaks across the sky like perfectly in time to the music the most amazing moments I've ever seen in live music um so i i just like it it takes me back there when i listen to this fortunately there is footage of this that you can see on youtube 
I'll link that in the show notes too. It it hardly compares because of course the sound is muffled. It's it's this sort of like little old school TV size frame that is that this camera is capturing. So it only sort of like hints at what an amazing moment it was. But um, yeah, just just astonishing. I know some people who have been on this show were there. I think Rob Virginio was there, and I think James Vitito was at the show too. Maybe some other people. But yeah, for those of us who were there, uh, such a memorable moment. It's one of those great things that you could never plan, obviously. <laughs> and yeah, my, my favorite moment in all of live music. So there you go. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I encourage you to check out the footage because, yeah. <laughs> ne- a, a moment never to be repeated. Yeah, and, and so then after that, it's just sort of, we get this like nice, the like a repeat of the introduction, the octave chords fading in, and then there's a nice little sort of feedback that happens to the end of the song and gives us a bridge into repeater. Yeah, yeah. And don't, don't, don't forget Joe's bass, which takes us out as well, which yeah. is so calming and just has a nice little beat. Yeah, sort of the intro chords, Joe's bass, and, and mostly like hi-hat and maybe some rim hit stuff from Brendan. But yeah, yeah it's just the sort of like chill outro. Just super chill. And it's yeah, it's lovely. It has a real arc to it, this song. Yeah, it does, and I think that's obviously, 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 it's intentional. But I really like that it it, it leads right into Repeater because I think lyrically, um, how the music leads right into Repeater, I, I, I get a feeling that the lyrics um, do the same thing to kind of introduce the themes of the next song in a way. Yeah, it, it, interesting. Speak on that a little. Yeah, so the lyrics, like you said earlier, um, are probably among the most approachable that Guy has written. And everybody would agree it's 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 essentially about um uh basically putting off what 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 uh could be done today or maybe even what should be done today like um you know turn turnovers obviously uh, like hitting the alarm and turning over and going back to sleep when there's things that that, that have to be done um and I, I feel like knowing what repeaters about which you know like I said the song musically just leads right into it um the themes of repeater which is like gun violence in dc and basically how um you know people have become so i guess uh uh used to it to 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 people dying by guns that we just kind of see them as numbers now um and it's 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 a process that keeps repeating it's kind of the same it's kind of similar in in, in that way where this song where turnover is talking about we uh, see things happening and know something that should be done, but we turn over and go back to sleep and kind of ignore it um, leads to what Rapier talks about in that we see people as numbers instead of as human beings. And instead of recognizing the tragedy for what it is, we're more looking at it in statistics um, through a lens of statistics. Um, and I've, I've, I've always appreciated how both songs just kind of bump into each other like that. It's, it's, it seems pretty perfect. I guess you could see Turnover as kind of a sort of a thesis for the album, but, uh, you know, for Fugazi in general, it's like um, this is a band that wants to spur us to action. So it's like here's like a, a general statement on how most people are willing to be complacent 
Um, and then it moves on from that to talking about like specific things, specific issues that uh, they want to address. Yeah, repeaters definitely. I think their their most blatant call to action. Like I've always, like, I've heard people saying that 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 Fugazi can be preachy or had his moments of being preachy, which I never agreed with. But I figure if, if that was the case, this is probably the album they're talking about. Uh, when when you get songs like Merchandise um, and Blueprints, even like Styrofoam and Greed, um, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's definitely like um, uh, a theme. That, that that the band wants to 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 get across to its fans um, in, in this album that's not as clear in, in other albums which are a lot more poetic and um, the lyrics are a lot more obscure and 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 so it's so, so to, to start with a song about like um, a kind of apathy um, is a really interesting way to start an album that is so full of messages and themes yeah I'll agree with that for sure I think you, you would probably agree that like a, a sort of metaphor of like sleeping versus being awake as standing for apathy versus action be it like political or otherwise like it's it's not an original idea um just in those terms but the way that the way that Gee frames it in this sort of visual way and focuses on the image of someone just like hitting the alarm and literally turning over in bed turning his body away and going back to sleep makes it sort of feel fresh even though the general image um feels like a bit of an old one exactly yeah i mean and that that first line langerizes reaching to turn off the alarm um those first three words once again the rather poetic right langerizes reaching um, yeah just the sound of the words yeah really well chosen they really are um, and I remember in high school, I had to look up Langer. Um, <laughs> I've never used it in a sentence naturally, but uh, at least I know what it means. Um, although, have, every time I look it up, I find that it's spelled differently in, in dictionaries. Um, <laughs> really? L-A-N-G-U-O-R is what I keep finding. Yeah. And at least at least on the lyrics online, it's, it's, uh, it's O-U-R. Um in the, oh really? In the yeah, in the well, I mean, I, I I haven't looked at my album art in a while, so I'm not sure if it's actually that way in, in on the album, but on the uh, lyrics, I find for um, turnover online, it's it's almost always L A N G O U R. Um, let me see if I can find it on Discogs here. Yeah. Boom. The, yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the liner notes now. Yeah. First word. Of the album, misspelled L A N G O U R. Oh, yeah, no. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Zoom, copy edited. <laughs> All right. There's an amazing question for Fugazi, Fugazi trivia night. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, first, the first word of the lyrics of which Fugazi album is misspelled in the liner notes? Now you guys know. It's this one, it's Langer. <laughs> Oh, I hate to point that out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, and and it's um, like it's an interesting like like way of <clears throat> of making an intangible noun languor into mm-hmm. like personifying it into the person who is languorous, you know, reaching out an arm to hit the snooze button or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's brilliant writing. It really, really is. It, it, it's a gorgeous line, and I know exactly what it means, even though it, it should be nonsensical. I know exactly what it means, um, and that's a sign of a really good line. And it's extended a little in the second verse, lounging against your weapons until your muscles find lock in the ease of that position. So it's just like, yeah, it's like sort of you're transported from the image of somebody sleeping in bed to somebody like leaning against the, I don't know, a pile of guns or weapons or something like that. Yeah. Just like, you know, sleeping right on top of them instead of using them. Yeah, relaxed, and and, uh, your muscles find lock, which means you kind of get a bit lazy, maybe uh, apathetic, like physically, right? In the ease of that position. And then we get, like I said, my favorite part, a residue of tremor passes, of some Sharia more suggest. Um, which I, I, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what that means to you. But to me, I was thinking about it just today, exactly what that means to me. Um, and once again, that line, the residue, residue of Chamber passes, I've said it before, but I, I love it. It's, it's, it's one, another very poetic line. Um, to me, it is fairly suggestive of orgasm, <laughs> maybe because like the line after residue of tremor, mm-hmm. like there's some sherry more, like it, like somebody that you love is lying next to you, s- suggesting something to you. So maybe that's why the residue of tremor uh, makes me think it's like it, it's like it adds a little frisson of of a, a suggestion of something sexual uh, that is in the in the background here i guess oh yeah that makes sense because sharia more that's like dearest love or something like that right yeah yeah and yeah that's and and that that would make sense i always thought i guess maybe i took it to a dark place (laughs) like where where i i guess i always kind of thought that like um because you're lazy lounging against your weapons and and you're a little apathetic your muscles find lock um, you find he's in that position and then a tremor of uh, a residue of tremor passes where it's like this fear. Um, and I thought Sharia Moore was more like a, like a tragic love type thing than, hmm. um, but that, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is you can, you can take it, you know, any way you want. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess in line with the, the rest of the lyrics, the, the, the tremor could be so, uh, like a momentary, urge to action a momentary feeling that maybe it's time to do something about it yeah um but it but it passes and uh uh, like the moment is sort of lost as as some as a love suggests maybe it was time to smash things up but uh but the opportunity has been passed by yeah that's a good thought and then um of course like there's there's after that second verse there's not much new substance except of course for the very interesting I'm only sleeping yeah which uh it it has been pointed out in some places that this is a Beatles song title um and you know of course we just I just quoted from Guy a little earlier uh, you know talking about being a Beatles fan as being one of the reasons he got his Rickenbacker um so it I, I always entertain that as a possibility that that's like a deliberate thing. Um, so yeah, th- this like little line that's borrowed from John Lennon put into his song about sleeping. It's a nice little homage to pay. Oh yeah. That is nice. Completely random. But, uh, I, I do believe this is the one of two opening tracks 
that have French lyrics or, or French with the lyrics. Ah, so do you this, like me? Yeah, this plus do you like me, which I thought was also a nice bit of trivia. We're we're really coming together with some uh, some great Ken Jennings level uh, <laughs> trivia questions for Fugazi Trivia Night. I'm I'm going to just invite all the listeners. We'll get together at some point and have a that have could a be your next showdown. podcast. Once you finish <laughs> these songs, I guess then. Um, yeah, we've talked about the lyrics. We've talked about the music. Um, do you think you're ready for ratings? Yes, I am ready for. I, I, yeah, and, and I love to rate. Just so you know, my my audience is, I think, very divided on whether rating a, a, a song is good, bad, fun, not fun. But yeah, let's do it in terms of uh, the entire Fugazi catalog from one star to five stars. What's the rating for Turnover from Jason Begay? All right, for Turnover, I definitely is definitely on on, on the high end, um, and I, I'm trying to put this in perspective. It's like my my favorite songs are like. You know, um, epic problem and uh, better for the scraping. Do you like me? So I think in in in, in regards to that, uh, turnover is a solid four, maybe four and a half. But I, I, I'd like to add though, in terms of like album openers, if if I was just rating the opening tracks and 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 how they intro the album, um, I would rank this first. It's a hell of an opener. That's it's interesting. I think some of the songs that you mentioned as being your favorites are also my favorites. I think we're sort of on the same page in in the general framework that we're working from. Uh, although for me, I I have to give this five stars. Actually, I think this one is on my sort of like almost on the Fugazi uh, Mount Rushmore or something. Not only is it is it great per se, great as a Fugazi song. It's one of those that. I would say like it would be a really good introduction to Fugazi for somebody who's like a new listener. It really has a lot of their um, w- most wonderful elements while still being sort of accessible. I think there's pretty perfect performances from the entire band, especially Guy. If I had to choose one aspect, like I think Guy's vocal delivery really shines on this. He's sort of, yeah pitch perfect so to speak in terms of the choices that he's making um again the lyrics like for for Guy Pachotto, they're accessible lyrics uh, but still interesting like i said like it, it's sort of a straightforwardly structured song with um you know two three four elements that make it more interesting more just spice it up a little bit so yeah for me it's going to be a five star song Oh, that and that makes perfect sense. I would I would not argue with that uh, with anything you said at all. I I do think it's interesting as an introductory song to compare to Facet Squared. I think in the Facet Squared episode, I sort of described that as turnover on steroids in certain ways. Like, it, I I think it's like it's a pretty similar uh, opening. Oh yeah. In terms of just like the volume levels and how things get introduced, but I I don't mean on steroids as like it's it's better than turnover. It's just maybe a little more energetic. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you said also that it's an elegant opener, and and the the way that it's recorded, it's not as raucous as it could be, but it serves as sort of a nice blueprint for them to sort of do their thing, expand on it live. There's a lot to like about it. I'll uh, I'll go to the 
comments on the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page. There were a lot of people wanted to chime in on this one, so I'll, I guess I'll be a little selective. Um, Tom Goebel says, My first taste of it was watching footage of it being performed outside the White House at a Stop the War demo. It was during the opening that I first noticed what a spectacular rhythm section that Joe and Brendan are. Tony Ramos says, Turnovers Fugazi at their Fugaziest, catchy but authoritative bass hook, explosive drumming, Guy talking about bodily phenomena and parts, uh, an almost wholesale change in song about three quarters of the way through, the quiet, loud, quiet, loud succession. Finally, dust settles and we're back to bass. Yeah, well said. That's, that's something that we didn't remark on, but we've remarked on it several times before. Guy, like, talking about the body, giving us images of the body, the muscles, etc., it's, it's a real mainstay of his songwriting. J.J. Sorensen mentions the uh, that same performance, the January 1991 Lafayette Square performance of this song. is so iconic, I think I prefer it over the studio version. The slightly faster tempo coupled with the high energy from the band as well as the steaming crowd is great. Ian and Guy both sing the opening lines and it packs the biggest punch. Yeah, that's, that's true. Sometimes it's like that's how they would do it live, just sort of dual vocal attacking those lines uh that works really well and that makes sense because like like i said like when when gee sings on the album it's, it hits with such intensity i think live it makes sense yeah. to do it like double jared coffin points out uh i'm only sleeping is also a song from the beatles album revolver which sounds a lot like repeater phonetically and that they're both kinds of handguns yeah I, I didn't mention that but yeah totally right i forgot only i'm only sleeping is on revolver um and yeah fugazi has They've said that that's like that was intentional, like sort of a reference to um, uh, repeater being a reference to revolver. So yeah, good point, Jared. Eric Eddy says I was so confused first time I heard it. The intro sounded like an orchestra tuning to my young ears. This is my favorite album opener, hands down. Ralph Linson says love it so much more live at the White House. Ian joining in makes it a lot more intense. It's almost like the album version is more frustrated and the live version is full out angry. And the last part is almost relaxed on the album and only gets to full fruition live. Justin Rushkalb says, This is just such a thoughtful and well-crafted song. Seeing the White House performance footage of Turnover uh, on the instrument film is what made me realize I had to prioritize seeing them live. I hadn't yet up to that point, and I'm so grateful I was able to catch two shows before the indefinite hiatus. The song is probably one of the best album openers of all time. To me, it really shows the evolution of their sound from the previous songs that were primarily written by Ian to more of a whole band effort and sets the stage of what's to come in their subsequent work. And I absolutely love how the volume swells perfectly bookend things. Totally. Uh, Mike Farr says, Seems like I waited forever for the Repeater album to come out. So much anticipation. And then uh, the intro song totally blew me away. Those volume fades, the amazing bass lick, the start-stop drums, the way the song builds, and such cool lyrics. Dan Tennant says, The volume swells of Ian's guitar and the incredible groove between Joe and Brendan makes me think of a nervous heartbeat. This connected with the line, Lounging against your weapons until your muscles find lock, made me think of soldiers in a trench or a sniper on a hill. I think lyrically it's about apathy and ignoring the call to action. It's easy to just hit the snooze button and turn over. And finally, Adam Gines says, just wanted to add that the transition from this song leading into Repeater, then Brendan number one is so seamless as the first three songs on the album, it really gives a sense of what a tight live band they were and is one of my favorite starts to any album. Well, thanks a lot for your comments, everybody. You had some very interesting points. 
And uh, yeah, now it's time for me to ask my friend Jason here about plugs. Where can listeners reach you if they want to? Do you have any any sort of anything at all you want to point out to people that they can find online? So if, if anybody needed to reach me, I guess the easiest way would be, would be on Twitter, which uh, I don't update, but I do read. <laughs> it's uh, just at Jason Begay, my name, J-A-S-O-N-B-E-G-A-Y, all one word. Um, and in terms of things that uh, I'd like people to be aware of, um, I do have a... Uh, a, a journalism project that we do every spring called the Native News Honors Project, where we send our, our students out to the reservations of Montana to cover in-depth news. Um, and, and if you did a search for um, Native News Montana, um, you should find uh, find it under the School of Journalism website. Thanks again for joining me, Jason. Cool talking to you. Oh, thanks so much. I had such a great time. A good time was had by all. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me to discuss One of the greats, in my opinion. One of the great Fugazi songs. And listeners, you know the drill. Email me if you want at fugaziatoz at gmail.com. Keep subscribing, keep listening. I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing Two Beats Off. Until then, keep your eyes open.